Welcome to the Lead Team Podcast. Every week, the Lead Team at Tate Springs will review our Sunday services, everything from the message to worship and whatever else comes to our minds. Let's dive in. Well, welcome to another episode of the Lead Team Podcast. We're here today and uh, we're in week three of the Roman series, right? Week three? I think this is the... Is it week three or week four? I've already lost count. I think it's week three. I think it's week three. Week three. Yeah, it's week three. Track three. Week three. Because I did the I did the introduction. Yeah. And then, you know, I just pick on church members for not remembering the sermon, but then I don't remember it as yeah. well sometimes. I mean, let's go look at the podcast. That'll tell us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to trust you guys to say week three. Actually, oh, no. I am so paranoid about this. I don't now. know why I am. What week is it? Is it week four? I mean, we could look right That's now. That's what I'm, I'm doing. Like, I it feel like it's like week we've four. we've done three podcasts. This would be the fourth this one. Is this would be the fourth one. So I'm right. So, so I don't, I, my trust in you. I don't remember your messages, but I remember the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the fourth one. This is the fourth for Rome fourth. because yeah. actually for the Tate Springs podcast, fifth. the sermon podcast, yeah, it'll be the fifth because yeah. Dark Night of the Soul. So yeah, it is week four indeed of when yeah. in Rome. Yeah. Glad we got that settled. Yeah. So and, all right. Important. We've, we've wasted a minute of your time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we uh, yesterday, uh, we're, we record these on Monday, the day after typically. And so yesterday we continued our winning Rome series and we looked at a pretty uh, a pretty difficult passage. And, and when I say difficult, what I mean is that it has to do with a subject uh, that is uh, one of the more pressing and relevant subjects in culture today, L- LGBTQ plus issues. It's, this is the modern iteration in our in our country of, uh, of the issues. And so Paul in Romans 1 gives, I would say, the clearest um, statement of, uh, of what God says about the issues related to LGBTQ plus in the whole Bible, I would say. It's the clearest. Yeah. And he not only tells us the what, but he tells us the why. And so, you know, there are commandments and such that say, do this or don't do that. But this was more of an argument as to why this kind of lifestyle uh, is out of step with God's design. So we did that. So it was a, I don't know how long I preach. I don't know if it's longer or short or or on average. It was a longer service. I know that because you stayed up during the offering to keep these moving. Yeah, I don't Sermon felt about normal length yeah. to me. Yeah, I try to, I tried to, to, I try to go quick enough to where thirty-five minutes is about as long as I like to go. Yeah, but anyways, you so, got the timer up on the screen. Actually, so you're the, only the, one. No, the timer, yeah, the timer was stuck yesterday. It was stuck yesterday. I don't know what happened. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I, I don't look at it anyway. That's fine. I, <laughs> yeah, I do actually. What's funny is you're the one that asked for it. Then I always feel bad when we have guests. And I'm like, just letting you know, we have a timer up there. You don't have to pay attention uh, to it. I love the timer when I preach. It sure. helps me know. I, I always go about sure. five minutes past. Right, right, Because right, it's a 30 right. minute time. Right. Break. It's a yeah. 35 minute. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, I guess it goes. Because <laughs> that's 40. what you asked for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe you're going 40. All right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you so can let's do talk whatever about this, you want. Let's talk bro. about the sermon. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like for me, and I mentioned this to you yesterday, but like I know the the overarching or the, the big conversation did uh, kind of settle in at the LGBTQ thing. But to me, the conversation about suppressing the truth uh, was just really relevant and applicable in the, in the illustration of, of the beach ball and holding the beach ball down. Um, and like, from my, from my perspective, like um, you talked about holding it, you know, my arms are starting to get tired from holding the beach ball down and suppressing it. 
So what do we do? We go and we find other people to help us hold this, the beach ball down. And we teach others to suppress and we mm -hmm. teach others to suppress. And now we've had generations and generations of people suppressing and entire, you know, shelves and libraries full of books written about how to suppress something or how something is being suppressed or that are gauged toward that. Um, when we talk about kind of the suppression of the gospel and the, the pressing it down, how do we, how do you feel like we, in all the contexts that you talked about, how do you feel like we help, you know, get the beach ball back to the surface yeah. for people? It's a good question. So, you know, at, here at the church, we have these chapters, you know, um, we have this, uh, our motto, kind of our vision statement, help people discover their part in God's story. And then we have these chapters uh, that are the venues through which we accomplish that family, worship, discipleship, so on and so forth. One of those is Christian worldview. And so these chapters are a mixture of things that every church ought to do, whether you're in Africa or Arlington. Um, and then there are things that are a little bit more contextual, like one is more contextual to our community. So we're, uh, we have big universities and colleges around us, but our neck of the woods in Arlington is more of a bedroom community. Uh, with families and so we our immediate context in our neighborhood is family so we have a family chapter um, but one thing um, that we have is called christian worldview and that really is apologetics and so christian worldview being a chapter is uh essentially a way for us to disciple people in a very specific way um, which is to be to be thoughtful about what's happening in culture so we talked a couple weeks ago about cinematic theology um, that's one of the ways where, you know, when you think about a movie, a movie is literally an argument. That's all it is. It's a director or a producer, just like a painting or a poem or a story. There's always a thesis statement. Um, and so the thesis statement is making an argument. And then the whole movie in an aesthetic fashion is trying to convince you of whatever it is that they're saying. So by the end of it, whatever thesis statement they're making that you're uh, maybe you're convinced of that. So when we do cinematic theology, we watch movies um, that are indoctrinating people, essentially, to whatever worldview the director has. And then we say, what well, we try to discover what that is, and we compare it to what God has said about the issue. So, mm -hmm. you know, when, we've wa when we watched one uh, that had to do with uh, the Imago Day, we brought that out, and, um, and we have another cinematic coming up. So to answer your question, Curtis, um, I think uh, a big part of that really is we, that's how I handle the pulpit. So uh, the pulpit is about glorifying God, uh, announcing and proclaiming his word. And part of that is taking his sermon and showing how it, it works in today's iteration of Rome. That's what this series mm -hmm. is about. And so um, I think that, as you were saying, if, uh, if a generation is coming up right now uh, of young people and they're in their schools and in their colleges and in their networks and communities, and, um, and it's becoming more and more normal in society for something to be a, uh, something that's out of design, out of step with God, then when they come in the church, it might be the only time a week where uh, we try to counteract that suppression. And, and, sure. and so that's, that's how I view the sermon. That's how I view the service. It's, and this is how I said it yesterday. This sermon series is, uh, is going to address things on history spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so a history spectrum right now in our culture has 
things like Christian nationalism and social justice, if we're going to use the words that are thrown around in culture. And, uh, and you have people kind of bounce back and forth on that spectrum. And the kingdom of God comes along and says, I'm not on that spectrum. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, a, mm-hmm. I'm transcendent of that. And when people walk into a church, they ought to feel that way. Like, oh, this is not a Christian nationalist church, or this is not a social justice church. This is a kingdom of God church. Right. Uh, th- so the songs we sing and, and the sermons that are preached and the classes we sit, sit in, it's not to promote this issue or that issue. It's to equip us to be ambassadors of the kingdom. And so I think um, the, the short answer uh, is discipleship. It's really just discipleship. That's what discipleship is. Yeah. yeah. I do have an interesting question, and it kind of it kind of ties two different parts of this passage together. But like, so you see what Paul says about um, referring to the animal kingdom, uh, mm-hmm. equating the animal kingdom. Like yeah. we, we seek the animal kingdom for knowledge yeah. on how we're supposed to live our lives and how backwards that is. But earlier in the chapter, there's this concept of God's, visible invisibility mm-hmm. right where you have you have his evi- he is evident we know about him yet later on when we look in the creation mm-hmm. to find the answers to live by so how do we i don't know how do we reconcile the concept that we can find god in his creation in his you know visible invisibility yet not be guided in our morality by what we find in the creation at the same time. Yeah, that's a, that's a good insight. So I think that, um, you know, I, I, my mind goes back to those, uh, the illustration of what's called the Van Til circles is how I describe it. And we don't have, this is a podcast, so we don't have a visual here, um, but I'm assuming people listening to the podcast, listen to the sermon or- You can Google or, it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the idea there is that God created creation and you have Psalm 19 and others uh, in other places in Scripture that talk about how, how all of creation glorifies and testifies of Creator. And, and uh, what happens is when you look at creation and you suppress that, that so, so today I'm driving and I'm looking at this beautiful day. You know, the weather's changing. Mm-hmm. It's raining in the fall. I'm looking at the trees and the sunlight. And I'm just thinking the the easiest, if I'm just driving down the road and, and I'm thinking about creation, it's it's much simpler to conclude that there was a creator than than to suggest it was an accident. This is the mm-hmm. whole uh, this is what the teleological argument is. William right. Haley, his illustration is still profound, uh, which is that if you're walking through a forest and you see a watch on the ground, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to pick it up and say, look at this thing that accidentally got here. Yeah. You're going to think there was a watchmaker. Right. And that's what that's what Paul is saying. Now, there's a difference between that and then looking at the watch and saying, oh, this is my God. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I think first creation doesn't do that with itself. We do that with creation. Right. right. So uh, so th- this is the tension of general revelation and special revelation. So what we looked at yesterday was general revelation, which is that creation generally reveals God. And then special revelation is where God says, yes, this points to me, but let me manifest and, and reveal myself specially, yeah. which is uh, ultimately Jesus, God's word and the gospel. And uh, and so, um, so, yeah, I think when we remove God from the equation of the circles, all we have left are dolphins. 
and we look at dolphins and we see them, right. how they're relating to one another sexually. And we're like, I'm going to get my sexual morality from that. And, uh, and that's not what creation does. Yeah. That's, that's not, it, while the creation shows the creator, it doesn't give us enough insight into the creator because we're looking at the things that were created in a, in a lower but here's way. An, and here's an interesting side. It, it doesn't do that. But it, but a part of that is because of the uh, because of original sin right. and the noetic effects of sin. Mm -hmm. So I you know I, it's it's kind of fun for me to imagine that if original sin never happened and the noetic effects of sin weren't in, in play, that we would just look at creation with blinders off, and it it would be just so it's already evident, mm -hmm. but the evidence would be so evident. Mm. You know, that, yeah. that we would not only know there's a creator, but we would know things about the creator. Honestly, a picture of what we'll experience in heaven. Yeah. That, you know, full so-called yeah. perfection. Yeah. yeah. Which so, is really pretty beautiful thought, I think. Yeah. One of the things that I thought of when you're preaching, I think of when I think of this passage, is these, it really I go back to the, the suppressing concept. Because I just think it's really important. And, and that is when we suppress something, we, we're pushing it down to make the appearance that we're elevating ourselves. We're artificially elevating ourselves. Even though we haven't risen by lowering everything around us, looks like we've elevated ourselves. And I think it talks later about, you know, displaying, um, you know, th this, this foolishness in ourselves. But um, as, as we, it, it feels to me like when we, when we look at this and we see this, we're looking at, I'm pushing everything down to appear that I am at God's level. I'm trying to put myself at God's level, but I'm incapable of that. So I need to push everything else down so mm -hmm. that I can appear to be at God's level. Um, and, and I think that that's evident in our culture, but it's evident um, not just in, spir in spiritual realms, but it's evidence in the business world. It's evident uh, everywhere you go, you can find people who are just pushing other people down to try to appear that they're more elevated even though they're not really elevating themselves. And I just think that that's an important aspect of suppression and realizing that it really goes back to a pridefulness in, in the sin in our lives and our desire to, to supplant God as the, as the, the one in authority. And I see that throughout this whole passage over and over to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, I had lots of good, feedback, you know, uh, from, from people that have been, obviously, you know, we have people in the congregation, um, who have family members. Um, we have people who visit, you know, who, uh, wrestle with this issue or even people who visit, who are involved in, in these things. And, and I really like, um, how Paul at the end, he does pluck it out. He does kind of give mm -hmm. some real estate to this issue. Right. And, uh, and a lot of times, you know, these things are called clobber passages. And, and I don't really like that because I don't, I think people can clobber people with the passages, but I don't want to put that kind of like yeah. bad negative connotation on the, on the Bible because Paul's not clobbering people with it. He's, he's giving an argument to talk about the redemption found in the design that God has given us. But so we tend to, to take the one issue that Paul pulls out and gives extra real estate to it. And we pull it away and say, it's the one issue in all the list of sins that we're going to normalize. Right. But then at the same time, what's so cool about what Paul does is then he lists all these other sins. Yeah. And so he's like, in case, in case you're pointing the finger, right. Just know if you're disobeying your parents or if you're gossiping, you know, right. 
And, uh, and so it kind of brings us all down to this place where we realize, yeah, this is one manifestation of sin. Right. And it is a, a unique one. Yes. But, yeah. but we all need to remember that we all mm-hmm. fall short of the glory of God, that we are all part of the original sin. We've inherited it rather, and we all have the noetic effects, and we all need the grace of God. And I yeah. think that's one of the beautiful things, you know, looking forward in Romans is that almost every chapter is dealing with salvation, mm-hmm. aspects of it, justification, our sinful nature in regards to salvation and how we are incapable of being saved, you know, because of it. And so I, I think that's one of the things that I look forward to the most is how universal this book is. And honestly, you kind of, you spoke with this yesterday. It's going to offend all of us. It's going to hurt all of us. And it did for me yesterday. There were things I was realizing because for me, and you, you mentioned this, like there are people in my life who I know, um, you know, are, are in this situation themselves with same-sex attraction and, and other things in the LGBTQ arena. And for me, how I interact with them is so mm-hmm. important. And yeah, making mm-hmm. sure that they know I care about them. And mm-hmm. I'm not out the clock right. with them. Yeah. Um, that I'm, I'm able and willing to speak truth when it's time, um, but also give hope, as, as you say Paul does. Right. And I think he does. And so it's rarely ever, for me personally, I guess, because we've talked a little bit of how can we address this. It's rarely ever for me pointing out LGBTQ issues to them. It's pointing to that issue in their life that they specifically say, I'm broken about this. Mm -hmm. I say, tell me more. And we talk about that and I say, you know, have you given thought as to what might give you hope Mm -hmm. and where hope is found and available? And we talk about creation. They talk about taking walks, yoga. They talk about all the things they try to find solutions in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I say, here are some things that encourage me. And I mean, the Psalms, Yeah, I bring those out. I bring out songs mm-hmm. specifically yeah. that encourage me. And those are great gateways I found in providing hope. And it, it is rare to ever have those salvation talks, at least in my experience, you know, um, I feel like for me, they, they're like one in 10. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's still, I, I see seeds being planted and ultimately that's just, all I can do. I just have to be faithful with the truth I'm giving at yeah. the time. Well, when you're giving them, when you're giving people the word of God, like right. just you're dishing that psalm out. I mean, these are these are authors who went through stuff. Right. Yeah. And uh, and the psalms are all pretty similar. You know, it's it's Lord, you've always been faithful, but but all this has happened. But I know you're gonna be faithful with right. it. And I thought that was yeah. critical too. I mean, that was I, I struggle with this. I struggle with how to articulate. I struggle how to deal with it. And I think that was essential for those in the room who also wonder, how can I talk about this? It's okay to be grieved. And you mentioned yeah. you were grieved. It's mm-hmm. hard to speak about yeah, this. Yeah, it's not fun. It's, it's okay to be grieved because essentially in many ways we can be perceived as being against mm-hmm. those who are made in the image of God. Yeah. In reality, we're not. In truthfulness, yeah. we're not. But because of the sinful nature, yeah, we're for we're yeah. for humanity. So, Absolutely. you know, as we wrap up, I, I, the last thing I would say is, as I've studied apologetics, the two things that have stuck with me, the kind of the two important ingredients in uh, in the recipe, if you will, for apologetics, when you're talking to kids, you're talking to a church member, you're talking to a family member or friend about anything, and I think these two things are super important are to remember that all people are made in God's image. There isn't a single person that is not made in God's image. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you're 100 years old or in the womb, or if you uh, are sick, or if you're super healthy, 
And also that all people have inherited original sin. Yeah. And when you understand those two things, like going at each, at each other, other. Um, it'll help you understand what's going on in the world. And so yeah. it's not just addressing what happens is, is we'll, we'll focus on the original sin sometimes as believers. And we'll say, we'll point that out in someone's life. And we'll say, well, look at that person. And then we'll find joy in condemning them to hell. But we'll forget the fact that that person is made in God's image and that God is long-suffering. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Yeah. In every so, instance in the scripture, when Jesus encountered someone with original sin, which I think was every single yeah. time, wink, <laughs> it always says, and he had compassion, yeah. Yeah. except for the Pharisees. Yeah, the, fa know? the Pharisees tended to be the, the group that gave Jesus the most uh, the most grief. Yeah. And, uh, and so we don't want to... You know, I think there's a message that we don't want to be pharisaical, legalistic, yeah. because that's not what the gospel is. And Jesus, his sermon on the mount was was blowing that up. It was like, well, you you've heard it said, and you've said this, but let me tell you that as he was helping us to understand that for those of us who have a little check mark, you know, journal where we say, well, I've not committed murder. Look how good I am. He he wanted us to know. Well, if that's you, have you ever been angry? Well, yeah. Well, guess what? That's the intent. And you've created murder. You've killed. Uh, you've um, committed murder in your heart. Right. And that, if we're open to it, to Jesus Himself, will understand. I'm part of the fabric of this. Right. right. So as we uh, as we continue on, we want to uh, we want to hold on to our convictions. Um, we want to have compassion, and uh, and I think and hope that this sermon series is encouraging those who are listening. Thanks for listening. At Tate Springs, we want to help you discover your part in God's story. Connect with us at tastesprings.com. We'll see you next time.